0: Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. I'm really looking forward to talking with you and learning from you today. So, can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan?
1: Yeah, my name is Clayton Schumann, and I'm an assistant professor uh, in the School of Nursing at the University of Michigan, and I am just finishing my fifth year.
0: And in what areas does your research focus?
1: Well, I'm clinically trained in neonatal intensive care and doctorally trained in implementation science. My research primarily focuses on improving care for mothers and infants, specifically those who are affected by perinatal substance use and perinatal mood, anxiety, and depression disorders.
0: Thank you. I want to start by asking about some of your work that focuses on reducing health disparities and improving care for vulnerable populations. Can you share a little bit about your work and the frameworks and methods that you utilize?
1: Yeah, so I utilize implementations, uh, science frameworks and methods in my research to improve the care uh, of vulnerable populations, as well as to reduce the disparities that they face. For example, much of my work focuses on the clinical context and how that affects the implementation of research evidence and effective interventions, innovations um, that are intended to improve care delivery and outcomes. Um, Billions of dollars are spent uh, every year on scientific discovery and testing, but we really struggle with translating the results of this research into real-world settings so that the patients can benefit from that investment that we make in scientific discoveries to improve health. So Many patients and communities and organizations are really not experiencing the full benefit of what we've been doing uh, through science and through research. Within these clinical contexts, I focus on the dynamic relationships that people have. um, That's through um, among leaders as well as clinicians and the patients themselves. Organization and clinical leadership is really critical for creating these practice contexts and settings that are just much more conducive to implementation where change becomes the norm um, and and improvement in care becomes uh, normalized as well as implementation is much more efficient. However, patients, families, and the broader community should not really be considered passive recipients of the care that they receive, um, as well as implementation of that care. They really should be engaged in decision-making surrounding their health care options and activated to participate in providing care to themselves or being caregivers to their loved ones. Within the clinical setting, clinicians have may have attitudes or judgments, biases towards various uh, patient populations. And these biases can be conscious or even unconscious. And this really can compound the amount of stigma already experienced by vulnerable populations. And again, within my work, these are populations of mothers who have histories of perinatal substance use or who are experiencing uh, mental health disorders during the perinatal experience. This stigma really may interfere with implementation of these best practices. And so some of my work is a, uh, utilizes descriptive methods in order to really understand what the context is like in these clinical settings, uh, what are the barriers and facilitators to implementation, and more importantly, uh, I have emerging work uh, funded by NIH to develop interventions to address clinician stigma um, in order to reduce that stigma so that we, we can improve implementation of best practices and improve health.
0: Incredibly important work, and thank you for diving into that. I'm really glad that we're talking to you right before National Nurses Week, which begins on May 6th, recognized as National Nurses Day. Could you describe the significance of recognizing this week, especially considering the immense impact that nurses have had over these last few years as we've grappled with the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Nurses are vital members of the healthcare team. They also make up the largest proportion of healthcare workers and have long been trusted by the public. So I'm very proud to be a nurse and involved in nursing research, as well as the training of the next generation of nurses, nursing leaders, and scientists. And although the pandemic has certainly highlighted the impact that nurses have, we must remember that nurses also greatly impact population and global health well before the pandemic and into the future. The nursing discipline has long been advocates for the most vulnerable. Nurses have not only advocated for patients and communities from the bedside to the legislature, but have also innovated and led new ways to improve care, improve health, and improve overall well-being. As a nurse, uh, I really feel like it's an honor to be recognized on National Nurses Day, but I also encourage healthcare leaders, uh, other clinician colleagues, and the public to recognize and thank nurses for their dedication to providing care and improving health every day of the year. Although the pandemic highlights the resilience and commitment of nurses, it also highlights the adverse consequences that care providers such as nurses face, including burnout and depression. A recent uh, perspective article that was just published in the New England Journal of Medicine by my colleagues in the School of Nursing, Drs. Dina Costa and Christopher Fries, really highlights this issue and provides some policy recommendations on how we can ensure a healthy and stable nursing workforce moving forward. In summary, I'm I'm so proud of nurses and their commitment to improve health for all patient populations, and uh, I'm very happy that we recognize this through through the National Nurses Week as well as um, the National Nursing Day.
0: Thank you. And I want to ask about an article that you were recently featured in for U.S. News and World Report discussing a study that you authored where you found that postpartum depression rates tripled during the pandemic. Can you share some additional information and some insights into that study and its findings?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking about this. Our study was developed very early in the pandemic. As states were beginning to implement masking, social distancing, and stay-at-home mandates, the surge in COVID cases resulted in really unprecedented changes to how maternal infant services were provided. Um, These included a swift move from in-person perinatal visits to telehealth, or very restrictive visitor guidelines that removed support persons like partners, spouses, and doulas from labor units or policies that separated neonatal intensive care infants from their mothers and their families. Thus, we hypothesized that the perinatal experience during the pandemic may negatively affect maternal mental health. Prior to the pandemic, rates of postpartum depression in the US were around one in eight, according to the CDC. In our sample, we found the rate of positive screens for postpartum depression to be one in three. Due to our study design and sample, there are significant limitations that must be taken into account. However, our findings are kind of like a smoke detector. They signal that something concerning is happening and we must give it attention. Our qualitative paper from the study uh, highlighted many challenges postpartum patients faced during the pandemic, including a lack of social and emotional support, removal of typical coping mechanisms like going to the gym to exercise or meeting with friends for dinner, and reduce support and resources for navigating their perinatal experience, such as how to prepare for labor and delivery and how to be successful in breastfeeding. Overall, we noted that participants were experiencing high levels of distress, and in fact, some were experiencing thoughts of self-harm or suicide. Healthcare systems and clinicians are encouraged to take note of these concerning findings and seek ways to improve identification, treatment, and recovery from maternal mental illness. This recommendation not only applies to those who delivered an infant during the pandemic, but for all pregnant patients moving forward, because even though we are beginning to see dramatic increases in maternal mental illness, the rates were still relatively high outside of the pandemic context.
0: Building on that, really, those important insights that you just shared, thank you so much, by the way. So, Mental health is something that's so incredibly important to talk about. And in addition to Nurses Week, May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. And just building off of that information that you shared, can you talk about the importance of implementing resources and education about postpartum depression and the way in which that information can be shared with the general public so that we can reduce stigma around these kinds of discussions?
1: Well, generally, mental illness is highly stigmatized. Perinatal mental illness is really no exception to this. Many people believe that new mothers should be should not be depressed because they have a baby, and the baby should make them happy. The baby may be healthy, and they should be happy about their new infant. And this belief is really highly stigmatizing, and I think it stems from the public's lack of knowledge surrounding postpartum depression. Postpartum depression, even before the pandemic, as I said, is relatively common, but even though it is common, it can have extremely devastating consequences. I think mothers, families, and communities need to better understand the importance of being aware of cues that mothers may be experiencing mood, anxiety, or depression disorders, and then offer support by encouraging them to have honest conversations with their providers about these symptoms. Treatment for these disorders are available and they work. Many agencies like the CDC, the World Health Organization, and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration have resources to inform the public. Healthcare systems and clinicians, along with the media and community organizations, can share these resources and promote these within communities. I believe that improved public knowledge about perinatal mental health can help to decrease the stigma associated with it. Many mothers experiencing symptoms of perinatal mental illness may anticipate stigma from their providers, and thus they may not be sharing their concerns with providers who can help them. Therefore, clinicians interacting with perinatal patients must also strive to reduce structural and enacted stigma within healthcare settings, which may reduce some of these barriers that patients face when trying to access resources and treatment. How
0: can family members and friends, community members, of patients who are working through postpartum provide social and emotional support? Are there any other resources or information that you recommend them having?
1: Yeah, providing social support for perinatal patients is extremely important. In our study, mothers reported feeling alone despite having a partner, a spouse, or a close friend they have intense feelings of guilt no matter what they did. So for example, they felt guilty for isolating themselves in their homes with their infants because they felt that the lack of social interaction may adversely affect their infant's development. But they also felt guilty about engaging in these types of social activities like play dates, visits with family or friends, because these activities may increase their exposure and their infant's exposure to COVID-19. In other words, they felt alone in making decisions about their own health and the health of their infant and felt that they had total responsibility for the consequences of these decisions. Therefore, I think an important takeaway is that families, friends, and even neighbors of postpartum patients must help to carry these burdens so that mothers do not feel so alone in it. In terms of resources, I recommend family members, friends, and neighbors engage with trusted educational resources, like those provided by the CDC WHO, and healthcare providers in the area, that can improve their knowledge of postpartum experiences. But I also encourage uh, family members and friends to ask postpartum mothers how they can best support them, because tailored care is really important during the postpartum experience. This can include providing a listening ear, listening um, to their concerns and what things may be uh, helpful for them, assisting with infant care, helping with other children or adult dependents in the home, and so
0: on. So you gave us one takeaway, but I like to ask everyone who joins us on Michigan Minds, what is something that you hope everyone listening takes away from this conversation, something that you really hope they remember?
1: Perinatal mental illness is really a critical concern in the U.S. and is relatively common. We need to work towards reducing the stigma associated with it so that we can improve the health and well-being of mothers, infants, families, and communities. In addition to improving identification and treatment of perinatal mental illness and the public's knowledge of the issue, we still have a long ways to go in the U.S. to appropriately support perinatal health. We need policies that support mothers, including longer and paid maternity leave, accessible and affordable childcare, accessible and affordable food and nutrition for mothers and infants, and accessible and effective mental health services. Without robust policies to support these, we will continue to struggle with improving perinatal mental health.
0: Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up the podcast recording today?
1: Yeah, I would like to encourage perinatal patients and their families that we are working to improve the care they receive and better support them as they encounter challenges in their perinatal experiences. Nurses and other healthcare professionals are listening to their concerns and advocating for better treatment, better outcomes, and better support. So we hear you and we are here for you.
0: Dr. Schumann, thank you so much for sharing this information with us today and taking the time to talk with me. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag umichimpact.